In 2005, two brothers hit the road to chase demons and fight monsters. You know, like you do. After 15 years, they made television history and built a community of dedicated and lasting fans. Sure did. I'm Rob Benedict, and I played God, a.k.a. Chuck Shirley. Yeah, you are, and yeah, you did. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I played the Archangel Gabriel, a.k.a. the Trickster, a.k.a. Loki. I also had the privilege of directing a bunch of episodes of the show. Have a few more AKAs, why don't you? Jeez. A.k.a. you're a jerk. Though we've been involved with the series for years and multiple seasons, we never sat down and watched the entire show. Oh, that's not true anymore. Now... We're deep into it. We are going episode by episode and diving in with the folks who made it to bring you an insider's point of view and some great behind-the-scenes stories from the writers, producers, crew, and actors. And you're getting our pure, honest, unfettered reviews. And along the road, let me tell you, we're becoming fans. Buddy, we are super fans. We've heard you saying it for years, and we finally get what all the excitement's about. This show holds up after all this time and deserves to be watched and rewatched. We will be hitting on some spoilers, so consider yourself warned. And if you have any angry emails you want to send, please direct them to Babo. Thank you for joining our journey and listening to Supernatural Then and Now. Hello there, my name is Rob Benedict. And I am Richard Spate Jr. And we're talking about Season 4, Episode 18, Monster at the End of This Book. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, yes, we are. We yes, are talking we are. about that episode. That is the episode we are going to talk We are about. talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's great to be here. This summary of the review of the episode was recorded in front of a live virtual audience uh, listening all along. And uh, I'm just so glad our <laughs> Patreon supporters are part of this. Yeah. Me too. Um, we'll be answering their questions about the episode afterwards, after we run through the episode. Um, and and you, can, you too can be a part of this fun, so please consider subscribing. Yeah, join us on Patreon for all, all things Robin Rich and Supernatural, like this very experience of doing a live stream where you too are part of the podcast. You too like, are involved in yeah. the entertainment factor that we bring every week as a part of Supernatural like, Then and Now. Yes, like what we're doing right now. This what we're doing right now. You can be a part of this. Exactly. Um, okay, so now's the portion of the episode uh, I like to call the summary. Yep, I like to call it the same. We're, we're very similar in that regard. Now, normally I read them. Right. But because uh, this episode is the first episode my character's in, did we want to do it different? How do you, yeah, what do you I, think? Yeah, we, we, we can mix up. Why don't you let me give, a, give it a shot? Like, uh, okay. I know we don't do it that way, but let me give yeah. it a shot. And uh, let's okay. just see... Uh, well, let's see how it goes. See, see if I can, Okay. you know, I'm up to your standards, all right? So the monster okay. at the end of this book. I got it right here. All right. Don't forget. Having read the book's title, Grover is horrified to learn that there's a monster at the end of the book. No. He immediately begs the reader not to finish the book so as to avoid encountering Wait. the monster. As the book continues, Grover constructs a series of obstacles. This, this is great, too, if you haven't no. seen this part of the show. Grover no. constructs a series of obstacles in hopes of preventing the reader from reading further. Okay. But none right. of them work. I assume there's a Sam and Dean element to that. Mo none of them work. Okay. Mostly because they are mere merely illustrations, right. not actual obstacles. And I guess that's sort of the supernatural uh -huh. part of it. They're right. not real, right? They're okay. they're they're fabricated. Right. But that's not uh that's a different summary uh, or so you think. No, wait till I get okay. to the end here, because this is really okay. I no okay. no no offense here, buddy, but I'm driving. Okay. Okay, got it. Near the end of the book. Grover, uh -huh. and I, I I didn't watch the episode, but I assume you play Grover, makes uh -huh. one last frantic plea uh -huh. for readers not to turn to the final page. But mm -hmm. dude, and I mm -hmm. swear I did not see this coming. No. When he does turn mm -hmm. the final page, uh -huh. and again, I guess Sam and Dean right. must have a hand in this and probably some yeah. creepy uh, you know, alternate being somewhere else. Right. Boom, it's Grover himself at Grover's the end of the, the book. Monster. Grover's yeah. Yeah. Grover's it's the funny, monster. It's funny. So Sam, so Sam, so Sam, Sam and Dean not mentioned in that. Uh, it's interesting. I don't think. I think summary, it's understood. I mean, I just googled it, but I think it's understood that they okay. are very, very much a part of this. Right. And because uh -huh. it mentions illustrations, and that's very supernatural and sort of its energy. And uh, no, not really, but yeah. Okay. And so, and then yeah. I guess Grover laughs. I assume some kind of maniacal laugh, yeah. and and says that sure. he knew it all along. But as we, as the viewer, uh -huh. we we can actually recognize that he's a little bit embarrassed about this whole. Uh -huh 
series of events. So right. let's dive into the interview. When you got cast as Grover, <laughs> did you know you'd be wearing a, a blue suit the whole time covered in fur? Look, I don't want to throw uh, you know water on your well-constructed fire, but I, uh, I, uh, that's not the episode we're talking about. That's a book, uh, a book, a children's book, that the title of which this episode borrowed from, but that's not actually the episode uh, from the series Supernatural, which we do a rewatch podcast of. Different. That, okay. In my defense, Steve Hine didn't clarify there was a difference. All he said was this is the episode we're talking about. So (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely Steve's fault. (laughs) Definitely Steve's fault. uh, Classic Hine. No, there's there's an episode. If, if you want, I could I could tell you what it's about because obviously yeah, you don't. Yeah, okay, you fine. Know, I guess I you've guess. got a thing against. You do your version. We'll my, see which is more yeah. apropos. Okay, all right. Uh, so for some reason, in this summary, Steve has everything that my character did very small in italics and in parentheses. I assume which it's just I think, to test the strength of your progressive lenses. That's right. That's right. So here I have in very small print, episode opens with a man being startled awake by visions. I don't remember that. Sam and Dean are questioning a comic shop worker about a haunting. The worker believes the brothers are cosplaying or LARPing as characters from the book series Supernatural. I remember that. The books present the boys' real lives and adventures as fiction. Yeah. The boys are stunned. They track down the publisher who reveals the source of the books. From further investigation, the boys discover that Lilith... Is set to return and visit Tham, and that she and Sam will share a night of passion, in quotes. But if it's Lilith, isn't it Pathan? It's Pathan. And then I've got in very small print, Chuck is writing his next book and is shocked to be visited by two of his characters. He reveals that he has visions and that Lilith will be visiting Sam and they will share a night of passion. Pathan. So Sam feels he's ready to confront Lilith. And uh, Dean thinks they should do everything in their power to avoid her and what was prophesized. So Dean's kind of C-blocking Sam and Lilith, right? I mean, that's kind of what this, right. I mean. He's L-blocking, but yeah. L-blocking? He's, he's Lilith. Okay, that's not. No, how about this? He, how about this? He's C-blocking. <laughs> C-blocking, yeah, makes more sense. Of course he is. <laughs> so yeah, he even places hex bags around the hotel room to hide them from Lilith's magic. However, the foretold events keep happening as predicted by Chuck, as predicted by Chuck, the character that we're not, I'm, I haven't met. Chuck? Yeah. Is Chuck your, is Chuck your nickname for Grover? No, Chuck is uh, the character that I play in Supernatural. Castiel right. appears and tells Dean that the books and prophecies will one day be known as the Winchester Gospels and that Chuck is a prophet of the Lord. Castiel tells Dean, this is in small print, that Chuck is a prophet and he's actually protected by an archangel. Ah! Dean arrives at the brothers' motel room to discover that Sam has burned the hex bags. And I remember, I remember specifically in this scene, Dean looks at Sam and goes, "What the hex?" <laughs> Do you remember that? It's, it's a great moment. Really funny. That yeah, was a great. Yeah. Did you actually watch the episode? What you did you watch the episode or no? Not so much. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I read you the read book. The, you read the book. You like the I book. knew that yeah. Grover. Right. The, right. This, yeah. You knew. Come on, man. Yeah. Okay, so no, not you. Yeah, you knew that Grover's the monster at the end. Dean yeah, arrives I mean, at the, bro- the yeah, yeah. So Dean arrives at the brothers' motel room to discover that Sam has burned the hex bags. What the hex? Dean storms out in frustration. In a moment of desperation, he prays for help, and Castiel appears. Castiel reveals to Dean how to stop Lilith by forcing an archangel to appear. Archangels are the most fearsome wrath in heaven, he says. Dean makes preparations to summon an angel. Now I've gotten small print. Dean heads to Chuck's house and threatens him to come to the motel to confront Lilith so that an archangel can be summoned. Because we know that Lilith won't like wrath. No. <laughs> Lilith and wrath. That's yeah, no, no good. No, not, not good. Back in the motel room, Lilith appears to Sam now as an adult woman. She retrieves Ruby's dagger and breaks some traps Sam has set out for her. Lilith tells Sam if she stops breaking the 66 seals, stop the apocalypse. Think the thick field. <laughs> Lilith tells Sam if she stops breaking the 66 steals, seals, stops the apocalypse, sparing humanity if Sam and Dean will die. So she just wants them to die to stop these things. Ah. Sam reluctantly agrees. Lilith tells him they'll need to make love to seal the deal. How many times have you heard that one? Boy, how many times have I used that one? (laughs) Lilith lays on the bed in a double cross. Sam approaches her and tries to use Ruby's knife to stab Lilith but she overpowers him and holds the knife to his throat. Suddenly, Dean arrives 
with Chuck. I don't know why I'm, I'm I didn't did completely cutting me out of the summary. Dean arrives and summons an archangel the way that Castiel instructed him to. Right. It, actually, Dean and Dean and Chuck arrives and oh. Chuck declares, "I am the prophet Chuck." The room didn't vibrates. Dean say that? No, I say it. Oh, okay. The room vibrates like there's an earthquake. In retreat, Lilith expels herself from her host body and escapes. Later, Sam and Dean discuss what happened. Sam never considered the deal, believing she would have found a way around it. Dean believes self-sacrifice is the way to go to save the world. Dean privately fears Sam would choose revenge over sacrifice. Oh, man. In a final scene, the angel Zachariah stalls further prophecies from being revealed to Sam and Dean. Actually, Zachariah appears to Chuck, who has had another vision about the apocalypse, and he tells Chuck he's forbidden to tell Sam and Dean. And he should, quote, do what he always does, right. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Zachariah is saying that to an empty room. Isn't that like no, a monologue? He's saying, it, he's saying it to, saying to me. He's saying it to Grover? me. To There's Grover? a lot of great stuff in there that we'd missed that, just, that Steve cut out, but I oh, was expecting Zachariah, it. good to see you. <laughs> do not finish this book. <laughs> is that, is that uh, Cookie Monster or Yoda? It's Grover. Oh, Grover. Sorry. Cookie. Sorry. Cookie Monster, serious for Cookie. And Yoda is, Grover is, it, in, at the end of the book, Grover is. There you go, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Well, let's dive uh, into to what we think of this episode. Yeah. Rob, I mean, it's near and dear to your heart. I almost think you're like the Clarence Thomas of this uh, episode. You should recuse yourself. You shouldn't really even be a part of this discussion because you're in the you're in the episode. It's 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 what launched you in the supernatural family. It, yeah, it puts you on the map for the supernatural fandom. It, it's what you you know gave you that signature robe. You know, it's like you've you've hitched your wagon to this character in so, so many ways that I almost feel like you shouldn't get a vote, and yet you do get a vote, which really reveals flaws in the voting system we have here at Supernatural Then and Now HQ. Um, but we're not going to rewrite the bylaws today. We're going to plow forward. Uh, we'll make mm -hmm. changes for future podcasts. So as it is, mm -hmm. how do you rank and rate and review this episode. Before you do that, mm -hmm. let me acknowledge this segment simply by saying that it's time for R R R Rob and Rich Review. Robbie, uh, I think it's a great episode. Uh, you know, look, I, I uh, aside from me being in it, I always thought it was a really clever, clever idea for the writers to sort of uh, voice themselves through a character and be able to, I, I love the meta qualities of that character and yep. um, what it brings in. And it, it just really works with what's going on in the plot right now. Uh, I also think Kurt Fuller's amazing. I think Catherine Buckner is amazing. Um, it's a great episode for both Sam and Dean, I think. And yeah, I just think it's an all around a really clever, clever episode. Yeah. And, and, and Misha, I even feel like Castiel is starting to change a little bit and, you know, he's actually helping the boys now. You know, the way he says, like, you know, you, uh, I can't tell you what to do, but if you were to do this, that might help. You know what I mean? He's giving them hints right. and kind of being on their side. Isn't it funny? Like when you go back and, and look at this episode now, knowing what we know, it's really interesting to sort of, there's just a lot going on here uh, yeah. with the fact that Chuck becomes God, but even more than that, like there's just, you know, it's, it's interesting doing this rewatch up until now, I know so much more than I did when I actually shot this episode, you know? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, decades more. I think it's also interesting how chock full of uh, big deal characters it is. Obviously, yeah. we get to know Chuck later better, but uh, Lilith, the Catherine Beckner mm -hmm. version, which mm -hmm. is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites, favorites, fantastic. Zachariah. Kurt Fuller is the fabulous uh -huh. Zachariah reappearing uh -huh. and he's so great meet misha collins who wasn't necessarily in every episode back then uh, uh -huh. great uh so it's a really cool uh -huh. episode chock full yeah. of uh, fan favorites yeah 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 and i didn't even realize it realize it at the time you know I, I had no idea uh except i knew i knew misha was relatively new because we talked about it um while we were shooting it but um yeah it was uh it's just it is it's, it feels like a kind of a special episode yeah so where are you in uh in a facial hair perspective where are you in this this episode well i want to know a little bit more like what you said so okay you, can you i dive in i mean i think it's great like you got a you got a iconic episode that i mean gosh as many conventions as we've done how many times we've we seen clips from this episode uh i know you say you don't answer a lot of questions about it but certainly we see 
that image of Chuck, the classic berobed image of Chuck, you know, kind of torn between what he's inspired to do and now realizing the blast radius of what he's doing and how it is foretelling the lives of these guys. And, and, and it's, uh, it's just a clever episode. It balances humor and drama really well. It moves the story forward, the grand mythology story, while also sort of introducing us to other characters uh, or other character and uh, that's going to be sort of ensconced in the pantheon of great supernatural characters going forward. And again, like I said, Catherine Beckner, I think she's so good as Lilith. I think Kurt Fuller is so great on anything he ever does. So great as uh, Zachariah. And uh, Misha's, you know, great in sort of the early years of formulating who Castiel is and the darkness that Castiel carries during those early years is great. And Sam and Dean sort of in this meta space of doing what they do really well, balancing that humor of like, what are you talking about? LARP? Huh? You know, all that stuff is so well done and executed. Really well-directed episode, really cleverly written episode, uh, and really well-performed. I think it's a... Yeah. I think it is a just solid, solid episode. I love all the stuff that they do with, like, reading the reading the book, and then it's actually happening. Yeah, happening it's so great. Like this, that scene you know, with the... With yeah. the the lady, she ha- they have to give out all the facts to prove that they are yeah big yeah, fans yeah, of the show, yeah, yeah. their own birthday, yeah, and yeah. show their tattoos. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the, yeah. what we don't see is her basically pulling down her pants or whatever to show her tattoo, because it's off screen, yeah. but you see them react like, yeah. oh, hi. Yeah, some great stuff. It's great. And I'd forgotten that the episode begins with me having the vision. Like, yeah. like the whole thing is kind of coming from this character. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Anyway, okay, time for beards. Uh, Rich, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I got, I, for, for many reasons that I just listed, including how big an impact this episode had on future storylines and shows, I have to give this one a Chris Stapleton. It's got to get the full, wow. the full Stapleton on this one. I know that wasn't easy for you. you I didn't like saying it. Easy. Uh, I actually I got a letter from the Stapleton people uh, asking uh, that I not use that. his name in association with this uh, with me. episode. So I'm putting myself up for uh, a lawsuit wow. uh, by doing this. But I, know you're, I know you were dreading this day where we had to talk about No, this you're episode. crushing it, dude. You're great in this episode. You do that thing you do really well, which is balance humor and drama. It's really well done. Uh, really engaging character. That last scene with Zachariah is great. You just feel terrible for that guy. And as you turn around, like, what do I do? And his last line to you is yeah. just really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. He's, he's, that was fun to do with him. And um, you got to work with everybody. Yeah, I mean, like I did, as I watched this, yeah. it's like, wow, Rob got to work with so many yeah. great people. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't give this often. I'm going to give a very special version of a Kenny Loggins. I'm going to give it the Footloose. Oh, wow. The Footloose. Just specifically... And say, let that sit in. Kenny Loggins for loose. It was Kenny Loggins' shining moment. And uh, so I feel like it's a special, it's a special beard. Uh, the Footloose. It's not the last time I'll give the Footloose. There are a couple episodes uh, I can think that I might wow. throw up the Footloose, but uh, not all my episodes, just saying. I think if we were going to rank the best episode ever of Supernatural, it would have to be measured by Chris Stapleton singing Footloose. If we ever right, have, yes. yeah. if he could just yes. do that for us and we yeah. have that as a reference, you know what I mean? I would, yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Maybe it's the French mistake. I don't know. We'll have to see when we get there. We'll have to see. Or who's to say? But there it is. There's our review. And Th- uh, there you go. Today, Robbie, we have the pleasure of reuniting you, the guest star. And the director of the episode. This is like an episode of This Is Your Life, Rob Benedict, where yeah. we brought in one person that you've worked with in your life, a very important person, because right. it, what if he dropped the ball, we might never have seen you on the show again. You know what I mean? Monster at the End of this book was directed by Mike Roll, a veteran TV director and producer who has worked on Eureka, Smallville, Supernatural, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Andromeda, Kyle XY, and Reaper. Recent works include Netflix's Princess Switch and its sequels. He directed 10 episodes of Supernatural. That's not nothing. Plus, the episode featured the amazing talents of our very own Ron Barlett. Sorry, buddy. Oh, it's a doozy. Ron, hmm. 
Do you need help? Are we go is it are we going to the original like is this there's a Yiddish or there's some there's a root here I'm not seeing. Yeah, there's a Yiddish it. there's a Yiddish root. <laughs> is it Yiddish? Yeah. Krab. Uh, so this wait, okay. Uh-huh. Robert wait. Yeah. Plus the episode featured the amazing talents of our very own Rob Benedict. Huh? Good. Good, you did. His long and distinguished career, and I do mean long, features appearances in such sassy works as Tequila Body Shots. Well, Smut. Okay. Sex and Death 101. Well, Group Sex. Okay, you're just highlighting the. Uh... Another project entitled Sexy Daddy. All right. Well, that's which is also you... his online name, and yeah. of course, who can think of Rob without thinking of the title Masters of Sex? Okay, that's a that's a real <laughs> short list of just the things I did that have sexy, sexy sex. Um, the question so we get a lot is, okay. did Rob do anything that didn't involve sassy sex? And the answer we're discovering here today is no. Well, actually, there is. There's a few there are a few things that don't Not that, on but this that's list. Fine. <laughs> According to what I see before me, it's all sassy sex. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, okay. And now we're getting Mike rolled together with his sassy, 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 sexy, guest sexy, star sexy, Rob... Benedict Sexy. I think that's the key, is if you put sex before it, you none you know how to say my name. Sexy. Uh, well done. Well done. That was good stuff. Here's my crawl. Hey, hey. 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 Hey, we're here. Hey, Mike. Hey, Hi. Mike. Thanks for coming back, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, uh, See you guys, and uh, I, I I watched uh, the episode again last night, and it reminded me how much I love Supernatural. Good, One of my favorite shows I've ever done. So this is a treat. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love it when people come on and say that, which actually does happen. People come on and say that frequently because it's uh, I guess it leaves a a fond series of memories for those who are you know invested. And you got you did ten episodes, so you were you know a mainstay of that show for a, for a period of time. Yeah, it was like six seasons. I think season two to season seven. You amazing know? and uh yeah one of the like i said best windows of directing i've ever had i was doing smallville at the same time so i was flipping it back and forth i think we might have talked oh, about wow. that last time so it was a pretty busy cw kind of time of my life for a sure. lot of yeah a lot of hot people yeah, yeah. <laughs> encountering a lot of <laughs> hot tall That's people triangular of beauty if you, you know as <laughs> yeah. Greg Beeman used to call it yeah <laughs> well, listen, we're going to dive into this episode. Obviously, this is a, a legendary episode for many reasons. Number one, it introduces a character that became a fan favorite for years to come. Uh, the, the, even a character that ended up becoming paramount in the storylines of the latter seasons and the final episodes of the show. So this is planting the seed for that in a pretty uh, epic way. And, you know, this is a great uh, reunion for you and Rob, once again, face-to-face here on the Zoom, uh, you know, reuniting for this grand conversation about Rob's first ever episode on the show. So here's what I want to know. Rob Benedict gets cast in this role. How does that play out? Were you in the room when he read? Uh, give me the give me what you remember of, of tracking Rob down for this role. Well, I remember the process. I mean, uh, on Supernatural, it's Eric and and the gang basically in, in, in Los Angeles that really do a lot of do all the you know the searching and, and looking for the most appropriate person. So I hear it about it, sort of on the edges and stuff like that. And then uh, by the time uh, you know I already kick in, the process is already completed, and you get to sort of meet the character, the actor, yeah. and uh, you know get to know him and stuff. So yeah, I came at to it kind of like as as part of the uh, the whole process starting. You know, so it was, it was yeah. actually gotcha. quite quick. It was on the run, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so he, yeah. so Rob, you read for the show in Los Angeles, California, yeah. and you, there was no like dumb question, man. I'm just rewinding our own careers back then. <laughs> Obviously, it's filmed. Do you get those tapes sent to you, Mike? Do you are you watching physical videotapes of the actors' auditions, or at that point, Rob had already been cast? I think Rob had already been cast, and the and the casting I okay. took part in mostly were the smaller parts, you know, some of the support roles and stuff, especially with Vancouver actors. Uh, I'd be the one that would go into casting and uh, 
you know, just sort of be the uh, director there and, and then give my my opinion on who I think might be most appropriate. Set it up, set it up the right. food chain. And then usually it's a, it's a process of, uh, you know, discussing and coming up with the cast. But no, Rob was a, a important pick. OK, so so we're kind of splitting this interview to, between both of you. So, Rob, my question to you is, what was your first meeting with Mike like when you, you know, first arrived and, and were doing your thing? I probably just met you on set, my first day on set. Um, <laughs> I, re I remember that my band had played a couple gigs the weekend before, and my voice was kind of hoarse. But the very first thing that we shot was the first, uh, when the guy showed up at my door. Yeah. And I was supposed to, like, I the character probably hadn't talked to people in a while. So it made sense that my <clears throat> voice was a little bit like this, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember that about my first day, but that that's probably when we first met, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually how it works out, you know, on yeah. television series. Yeah. It's like, hi, how are you? Okay, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because the audition process for me was just, uh, was going into a room and I think Eric was there and uh, yeah, and read for me. It was just the one read and yeah, it's kind of next thing you know, you're reading the script on the plane on the way up there and trying to catch up. So here, here's a question. So if Rob, you'd already been cast, right? So you you had a sense of this character from reading the material at the audition, like whatever you prepared. Mike, you're coming at this uh, with your mind around the material from a directing standpoint, but mm -hmm. you obviously have a, a, an idea of what you think this is going to be. How on it was Rob's interpretation or different? I mean, not not better or worse, but like how how was his interpretation of the character differing from how you saw it and how much of that were you able to harness and use to your your benefit? I mean, for me, it could have gone in multiple directions. Like like I said, we never had a chance to have a rehearsal or an audition. So I, I rely a lot on, uh, relied a lot on the idea of uh, Rob got cast for a reason and Eric saw something special and stuff. Uh, so coming into it, I know that was probably already loaded up. So my job was to you know, to really sort of just see what Rob would bring bring to the to the scenes, and and once you get the the boys mixed in, you just sort of see what that chemistry's like. And uh, right away, I knew that Rob's choices were really good because there was a a kind of a a very funny sort of insecurity about the guy. He's uh, you know a very you know somewhat successful author, a little bit of underground books, but uh, there was this vulnerability to him and this uncertainty that was very charming. And so it was it was something you needed to latch onto right away. And uh, the exciting part for me, too, was that this was a brand new character. I had no idea what this character was going to turn into. Right. You know, uh, you know, it, it, yeah. it just grew. Uh, right. But the charm was immediate. And the uh, the sort of connection with the boys seemed really natural. And so the lesson you learn on, on that show or on any show really is if there's a chemistry there, just get out of the way and capture as much of it as you can. And then I, I love the comedy element of it. So my comedy, I have a comedy background from working in nightclubs and doing improv and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm in a group like that, I like to kind of take part on the edges. I'm not doing the gig. I'm not doing the stuff, but I love making the suggestions and letting the actors find those comedy moments inside the mystery. And you guys were naturals, you know, really, really good. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to remember working with you too, is that, you know, I, I, I might have an idea like, Ooh, what if I clutch my, what am, I'm clutching a drink in this scene or I, you know, whatever it is. And you were always like, you always yes anded my ideas. You yeah. know what I mean? You're always like, yes, great. I love that. Do that and make it work in this, you know, in this, the limitations that we've got here. And I remember you were very collaborative that way. That's, that's the thing, you, you know, yes, yes. And is a good way to put it. That's, a, that's yeah. definitely a thing to do. And, the, yeah. and what's pretty cool is that uh, those characters, you know, it's a status thing too. They have sort of higher statuses and then a status amongst each other. And in comes this super smart, intelligent character who's completely low status. Right. And it's great. It's a great contrast. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're so much bigger than me too. That was yeah, always that's fun a good to play that. Physically yeah. too. There's some yeah. shots there where there's the triangle, yeah. the tower of humanity and then <laughs> yeah. chuck in the middle right i know totally. the point of the drag totally. was hilarious yeah i could almost go for anybody they're so they're giants yeah, i specifically they, remember that that scene where jensen comes up at me and kind of pins me against the wall and that was really fun to play against you know oh yeah for sure it's always, yeah. It was like, what? yeah and when they're towering yeah. over you like that uh, when you flap back <laughs> on the couch i don't think it's difficult to kind of play yeah yeah. yeah 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 just hold that thought we're coming right back Thanks for listening, everybody. And now back to the episode. Robbie, did you know Jared or Jensen before this? Uh, no. 
No, I'd never met them before. You know, I'd done a lot of work on the WB, which is what became the CW, but uh, never with them. No. So, and, and right away, you know, they were just like everyone says, they were so lovely and, and they, including me in their conversations, they weren't like, sometimes you're a guest star on shows and there's like an inner circle that you just can't penetrate. They, they were right away like, Hey, come here. Hey, you know, I I remember specifically they were talking about, um, like cage fighting or whatever that is that, you know, like the fights that they watch, you know? And I remember being, trying to be cool and be like, oh yeah, sometimes I dabble, you know, yeah, uh-huh. No, I mean, I know a little bit, like I know nothing. I just kind of like to be invited into the conversation. Uh, so yeah, but they're great about that. Aren't you glad that the conversation, they weren't like, hey, come join us, man. We're talking about how shitty the new guest director is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that never happened. Mike, what a jerk. You're like, uh, gulp, I can't, uh, I want to get fired. Uh, so Mike, you're at this point, you've done five episodes or this is your fifth episode mm-hmm. of Supernatural. So in, in the terms of TV episode, episode of directing, directing, you were old hat at this point for Supernatural. You know, you knew the crew, you knew the gang and you knew the tone of the show and the vibe. Did that help you give a new guy like Rob sort of the context of what was going on in the, not just the show, but also the tenor of the set and the, and the, the work environment? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, uh, with anybody, uh, you know, especially a newer actor, you know, it's 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 important to be a, a source of basically welcoming the actor to the process, you know, and allowing letting them know that they're safe, they feel comfortable, comfort, you know, and always approaching it with a sense of humor. Don't make anything heavy and just let them be able to express themselves, you know, in the most natural way they 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 can. And then just pop in there if there's anything off tone, which you're right, after five episodes, there's definitely a tonality to the whole thing. Uh, one of the surprising things about Supernatural is how it, it always seemed to kick into gear right away because it all started with the guys. The guys bring in the initial tone and everybody else kind of like, it was like a band. It was like everybody caught the beat and like, okay, I get it. I get it. And uh, yes, off we yeah. went, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rob was the guest drummer. They to- to- they pulled out of the out of the crowd and nice. said, hey, do you yeah. want to come up and start drumming with us? Little yeah. did they know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great analogy. It, it does feel like that, you know, when it's really working too. It's like you're playing in a band together and, you know, you guess and you're like, catch the rhythm, catch the beat. Yeah, I, I remember you were a good resource and the, and the boys were a good resource just in terms of going, hey, you know, because you couldn't hop on Netflix and catch up. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, that's true. And I've been referencing all these things that have already happened. So I had to ask some questions in terms of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first thing you shot, uh, Rob? Do, uh, you know. Yeah, um, it was when the first. boys uh, show up at my door and and they pull me outside. It, we, we shot sort of the exterior of like, I opened the door and then we shot me looking into the trunk, uh, that first bit when they find me. Um, but that was, that was my first day. Mm-hmm. I think it was on location because it was sort of the exterior of this house. And I think we shot the interior of that house too, didn't we? I think. Yeah. I don't think we I, built it, that. So it was- we. we Right, exactly. Yeah. So that yeah. got fo- uh, uh, you know followed up by some pretty heavy lifting stuff right away because there's a lot of stuff in the apartment, a lot of yes. revelations. Castiel showing up, yes. Uh, Kurt yeah. Fuller at the end. So yeah, yeah. there's a lot yeah. done in those first few days. Yeah, yeah, sure. a lot yeah. in that a lot in that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. There, it's an interesting balance, uh, Rob, that you had to strike. And Mike, it sounds like you have a comedy background as well. So. You know, obviously, Supernatural leans heavily on drama, but there's a lot of comedy that plays, especially when you have people who can do it. Yeah. Rob can do it, and Jared and Jensen can do it. But there is sort of a fine line in making sure that what's a drama doesn't become a comedy. Mm-hmm. How mindful, and I guess this is more for you, Mike, how mm-hmm. mindful did you have, need to be? Like, did the did the moment, the yes ending ever go off the rails too much where you're like, hey, let's let's not forget that we're actually trying to drive this drama home? Or did you feel like they were able to sort of balance both well. Uh, I don't remember anything like that because I think everybody was like, uh, you know, the comedy's fun, but the pathos, you know, pathos and humor is a, be- a beautiful a balance. And I think everybody was definitely aware of the stakes of the whole thing. And, you know, it naturally fell into, you know, digging into those drama moments. And uh, the comedy just, you know, it na- showed up naturally. And I think we instinctually knew when that should show up. And it's usually the transitional scenes and something a little lighter, some of the, some of the action. But when the heavy stuff came in, it was obvious, you know, when, when it needed to be real. And then, yeah, we, we sort of danced the line a little bit, you know, danced the little line, but it works, you know, when, when Chuck comes running in at the very end, when, you know, the archangel is going to come up and you know, makes this stand, it's pretty yeah. funny, but, yeah. Yeah. but also dramatic at the same time. So yeah, that's, that's supernatural, you know, yeah. that's, that's where it gets. And you, that show digs into some really emotional stuff 
you know, yeah. uh, as well. So, um, yeah, that's just the balancing act that you have. Yeah. I, I really think, I think that's probably one of the reasons I got the role. Cause that's, that's something that I, that I do often, you know, I, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll find myself playing the, the funny character in a drama, you know, but it, 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 striking that balance, I think is important. And, you know, I'd like to think that that's something I did pretty well. And that's, you know, in terms of in the world of supernatural. So I think, I think um, what really worked for you is the choices you made around, you know, the old term, it was like a guy with a handicap, right. You know, right, trying to make right. it through life where he just, right. he's happy. He doesn't even know that he's a prophet of God and eventually bigger things even happen. Right. And how that, uh, that affliction or however you want to define it, gift, right. affliction, yes. how it right. physically shows up, you yes. know, the pain, the choices you made around the the mania around it, the dreaming, you know, it was very convincing. You know, you, yeah. you were able to do that. And that's you, that, that, those, those choices, you know, that that's where the, the, the dramatic seriousness comes in and that that's, you know, cleanses the palate. So when comedy yeah. shows up, it's, 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 and so this episode deals a lot with fandom and I think first time the show ever dealt with fandom, I'm betting not a lot of shows in general had dealt with fandom only because fandom was sort of a newly recognized as a global phenomenon, not just a sort of corner of a convention hall for, for Trek fans. You know, it, it was becoming a bigger deal at this point uh, and more accepted and more prevalent. Again, talk about fine lines. It's a fine line between having fun with and making fun of, right? You don't want to make fun of, but you want to have fun with. How aware of that balance did you need to be during this process, Mike? It was very much front of mind. As I recall, when we all read the script, there was like an explosion of enthusiasm. Like, what? We're No, we're doing this? We're actually doing this. You know, the whole idea of LARPing and role-playing and the genius idea of uh, making the characters in these books so you could actually, they could talk about themselves. You know, they're reading along, making it themselves. That was, I guess, the third leg between the drama comedy and that meta sort of approach thing that, uh, you know, it was in the writing. The writing was pretty balanced, you know, as yeah. when it should show up and when it would. It was structurally very, very tight, very, yeah. very tight. So the writing of that supported that easily, I thought. And like I said, everybody went bananas over the idea of, like, we're doing this. This is really cool. You know, and as I recall, I even think uh, one of the references, I think Simpatico was an actual fan name. It was just- Oh, uh, wow. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it was, is that they were, they were, they were making sort of, or not making fun of, but sort of including in the fun, one of the fans, Patico, wow. who I guess was a pretty, uh, you know, dedicated fan. Huh. That's a, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that the writers were lampooning themselves first and foremost, you know, and I, I, what was fun, I think about this character in season four and five is. I got to be the mouthpiece for the writers, sort of, you know what I mean? Sort yeah. of talking to the fans, apologizing for bad episodes. And, you <laughs> it's know. hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. I, even Keegan's character, what was her name? Uh, forget the character, uh, Sarah Siege is based, uh -huh. uh, they told me it was based on Sarah Gamble. That's Sarah right. Gamble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, you, and they, Julie Siege, yeah, the, the other writer. Yeah, yeah, the writer, yeah. It's a and they used to refer to, names. refer to the guys as the boys, and she does yeah. in the show. So there's right. these little tiny Easter eggs and hidden things all yeah. through that uh, are yeah. really cool. It's it's a such a smart episode. You know, it's a it, what Supernatural does well is when they do lean into doing anything that's meta or comedic. It's always elevated. It's always well done. It's mm -hmm. it's you know it works, and it'd be so easy to have these not work because you could go with low hanging fruit and and they don't. They they mm -hmm. it's always elevated in a way that is smart. You know, the the jokes are clever. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, the mm -hmm. the situations are clever, um, and you guys both did a good job of 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 recognizing that and playing within that that playground. It was an interesting time too, because what you said earlier, Rich, you know, we we had we weren't as aware of the fandom, and there, the connection hadn't been made as much or acknowledged as much. You know, we're just starting to do conventions at this point, but I remember on set Misha reading Twitter and explaining Twitter to me mm. that after an episode airs, you can actually go on Twitter and see what people thought of it. Because I, I remember thinking, am I going to be back? And, you know, he was like, it depends if people like you or not. You know what I mean? And and he was looking to see comments of, of an episode of his that had just aired. And that was a new thing for us, you know? And I think this this episode kind of reflects that. It really is, this was a chance for the writers to reach out to the audience and go, hey, I'm sorry for the episode bugs. You know, I can't believe I put you through that. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. I, I, it was kind of a new idea in general. And then, 
well illustrated. But even you doing that, Rob, like you obviously somebody had to bring you up to speed on what that reference was. I assume, right, right, because yeah. you didn't yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, no, yeah, I had to find all. It's that funny out. to look back on it now and realize how how much access you have to uh, all the intel you ever needed about the right. show. Yeah, at the time you didn't. So you're right. making these jokes, and people are like, "I love that joke," and you're like, "Good," because I was kind of throwing a dart without knowing where the yeah, dartboard yeah, was yeah, on yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting watching it now, knowing everything we know, and going back and like, "Wow, I I I understand that now so much more than when I was saying those words." But yeah, and I, you know, I think that uh, I think it's hard for people to go back in the time machine and think about how disconnected fans were from from shows then because i saw this show when it came out or around then so i i'm not referencing re-watching it for this interview i'm talking about decades ago watching it and i had no idea what larping was like i like when they're you know when they, that joke worked on me like sam and dean because i had no reference for what they were talking about or conventions i'm trying to remember had we done conventions yet i don't think we had or if I we had i i had yeah that, someone might have well obviously yeah i guess yeah so and so it's so all of it was so yeah. It was just a real trip to to think about. Now we think nothing of going into a, a convention hall of fifteen hundred people all dressed like Sam Dean and me, and Castiel, you okay. know. But at the time, that idea was completely foreign, at least yeah. to to a lot of us. Uh, and it's I think that makes it a really cool time capsule episode. Uh, again, I know fandoms existed, I'm not saying they didn't, but I do think this show was ahead of the curve in tapping into that the power of the fandom and 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 the knowledge of the fandom the fan all these fans in the show know everything about the characters and know everything you know all these details and it's just fascinating to watch how intelligently Sarah and Julie addressed the fandom of this show it was really yeah, very, it was really cool very inspired i do remember uh not just around this show but the whole, my whole time there uh probably more into like season 3 and 4 that 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 idea that there's people talking about the show and that you did have that access people would talk about it on the crew for sure and you could you could see them uh sharing you know phones and stuff like that yeah not to a huge extent but enough to go something's up you know, yeah this is interesting. yeah exactly yeah yes. so you're right it was the beginning of a nice evolution. it was a buzz yeah let me ask you this mike was there anything in the preparation of the episode where you were like oh yeah that joke is skating too close to a maybe not a great idea the joking uh, I was, or anything, any, anything where you're looking at, like, I don't know, man, I don't know how this is going to play. Was there anything that you, you sort of ha had removed or checkmarked in the script or anything like that? You know, usually what happens is, uh, uh, it becomes some of the technical stuff that you get a little scared of <laughs> because you want to make sure you, you spread out your time enough. This is uh, directing from a purely technical point of view is that you, you prepare, prepare yourself for the story and the, and looking out for the red threads, identifying the red threads so that you can make sure that those are nice and bright and shiny throughout the whole thing. And then. And there's the physical getting it on camera that you only have so much time, so much, uh, you know, uh, money and, and, and stuff like that to do it. So uh, for me, it was we did a quite a few physical stuff, like the big ending with the archangel showing up and how we were going to pull that off, in, you know, in the time we had the fights, all that kind of stuff. That's this sort of one of the traps you could fall in if you spend too much time on that on that. So but, you know, by then, you know, the, the crew and the stunt department and the uh, art department have been pretty tight. So uh, we got lucky. But there was a little bit more than usual, I believe, uh, compared to my other episodes that we had to get done there. But it worked out, you know, and uh, we got uh, great special effects crews and uh, VisFX crews back then. And uh, and I'm surprised how well the VisFX still hold up. Uh, after how much we were, you know, the, they were really good. The VisFX guys on this show, they were cutting edge at the time and came up with a lot of really cool things. So consistently every episode, we're, we're, we're surprised by how well they did with that. Like how much yeah. it, it holds and up. And how much it holds up. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, something really else, Mike, you had to deal with in this episode is you had a lot of, you know, obviously Rob became a, a strong recurring character, but he wasn't at this point. But you had a lot of heavy hitter recurring people. You had... Misha Collins, you had Kurt Fuller, you had Catherine Beckner. Like I, I, that had to be interesting. And and how much intel were you able to get about their storylines before you dove into directing them? Uh, not a lot, honestly. I, we had no idea what Zachariah was going to be or do. We just know that there was something, uh, you know, something dark about him. Yeah. And, and uh, he 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 knew a little bit, but it was just that you know uh, we didn't go that far into the future. Because I think also the writers have a general idea and they of the of the arc of the of the season and stuff like that, but they're discovering exactly what they do, you know, as they as they go along. You know, they 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 have a, a baseline and then they go from there. So not a lot. You sort of learn it as you go, and uh, you get a little bit of information. We have tone meetings. Like Eric would come in and just go, "Okay, here's 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 your chapter of the novel. This is what we're doing. This is what came right. before. This is what we're coming up next." 
So you have to really keep an eye on, on, on that flow. And for me, that's about as far as it would go, you know, you coming in to do your chapter of the book. Yeah. 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 Well, Rob, you talked about the, the fan element of this show and how different access to fan response was back then. Did you get any insight into how fans reacted to this episode when it came out? Were you aware? I think based on what, based on what uh, Misha told me, I checked out Twitter after the episode aired. Yeah. I remember in fear looking at what people (laughs) were saying, going to say, and, and, and the response was uh, positive and that was, it felt good, but that was a first for me. I'd never done that before. I had access to that before. That was a, that was a, that was a new idea for me being able to see what the audience reaction was to a TV show. Um, yeah. So I, me- I remember um, getting a call from the producers and they were very happy because they'd obviously oh. seen all the stats too, which they, they, you know, they used to see what right. the temperature and they were very, very enthusiastic and, and happy. So oh, it good. felt like there was something, a new door was opening up somehow. Yes. Yeah. 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 But uh, it's weird because you watch the episode now and at the end of it, it seems obvious that I'll be back. You know, he's, he's the last line of it is in him saying, you know, do what you do best, right. Or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. it feels like it to be continued. But at the time I had no idea if I was coming back or not. That's crazy. That's un- yeah. Yeah. And the little did you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little, little did you know you've been having this conversation. Conversation in 2024. Uh, decades later. Awesome. So yeah. a favorite scene for either of you or for both of you. So let's start with Mike. You have a favorite scene from this episode, either from a directing standpoint or as a viewer or whatever. Uh, I think, you know, the very first scene, there's two that are sort of tied. The very first scene when they walk into the comic book store, because it's so unexpected. It's just going to be like the beginning of a new case. And then it turns into the LARPing and the role-playing thing and tying in the book. That is a teaser. I thought it was one of the best teasers they've in the series. It was really, really interesting. And I guess Rob's first scene when they first come into the house, there's Lux, there's some dry, cracked one, one-liner jokes that are great. The whole discovery of who they are and how much they actually know. That re- revelation right. was fun, fun to do. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. That's I, awesome. I, I love the 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 final scene. I think Catherine does such a great job. This is her first episode, mm. and she she has a it's a tough thing for her to do. She comes in to play this character, this demon that we've been talking about now for many seasons, <sighs> and she nails it. She just nails it, and she's she's so seductive. And you can see why Sam is drawn in, you know, in spite of the fact that my characters prophesied the whole thing and Sam's going, that would never happen. But you believe that he actually is being seduced by her in that, that moment. And then me busting in with Dean and I get to say, I'm the prophet Chuck, that whole, I love that whole sequence there is well done. That whole thing is awesome. Yeah. That burst in is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. I am that was a- Chuck. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because you don't play it for the joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. why it's it works because yeah. it's like it feels true to the character. Yeah. It's funny it's you said that was Catherine's first episode because yeah, I had earlier referenced her about being in the show before, just because my brain gets mixed up because I've seen her in other episodes. But yeah, this is this is the first time we see her as yeah that character. Yeah, she's so good, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's oh, very God. sweet. She very Fair. sweet. I remember her, you know, reworking it out with the guy with uh, with Jared. You yeah, know, and discussing kind of like how it'll play out because it, you know, it was a, a big, big deal, big yeah. deal scene. I loved her in that, you know, just laying yeah. out the rules that demons actually have rules of of conduct. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can't do right. this, I can't do that. She did a really right. great job of just of spelling that out. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I remember running. I think I ran lines with her for that scene. She was really sweet and very mm-hmm. open, and uh, I, I, we became buddies just in those couple of days that I was on set with her. Um, and she, I, I, I know you've seen her at conventions. I don't think I've seen her since. I mean, it's been a long time uh, since I've seen her um, at a convention or anywhere. I think I ran into her in L.A. at some point after the convention run, um, and uh, she was lovely. And so as we wrap up the episode, Robbie, yeah, this is a show that you got. It's a guest star. You're going to go do it, and then you're going to go on your merry way. And obviously, with no idea that it turned into this giant thing. As you reflect back on that first experience, what stands out to you? Um, just that I had the feeling that this was something good, that it was a show that felt better, better than its network, to be honest. It felt uh, like an elevated show for, it didn't feel like your typical CW show. The writing was elevated, the acting was elevated, uh, the way that Surge shot it. You felt all those things on set. The crew was so great. And it was something I wanted to be a part of. And I was really fingers crossed that they would have me back. You know, 
I've been in that situation before and sometimes you get asked back, sometimes you don't. I really just wanted it to work. And, uh, you know, cause it said to be continued at the end of the script. Turns out it says that at the end of every supernatural script. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I always thought, Ooh, this must mean, but they're like, no, nah, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So I was just so thankful it worked out, but that, that was, that was it. I knew it was something special. I, I did want to be come back and be a part of again. You know what I think? Really, I know, but you know, the funny thing is you don't know, right? Like, sorry, no I'm not going to interrupt, but like as that actor thing, when you feel like you crushed it, you know you crushed it, yeah. and it's a dangling carrot, and you yeah. might be a rope you get to swing on. Yeah. So many times they just reel that rope back up into the ceiling and you never get to play again. So it's great that you actually got to yeah. continue on. And Mike, what were you saying? I think the secret sauce of that success of the character was the house coat. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking For about sure. it. For sure. But I see uh, it with the that best. coat. It's just like, yeah. it's awesome. It just yeah. looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I still, I wish they still had that. I, I feel oh, like they, I think they iconic. I know. Like, you know, yeah. put it in it's a like, hard rock cafe or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell it's you, a, there's a, a lot of Lebowski. fans who dress like that, you, you know, at the conventions. We see an awful yeah, lot that's of. True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 People cosplay yeah, a lot of people first Chuck. Yeah. Honoring early Chuck. In fact, if people are dressing as Chuck. It's that. It's that. Yeah. Traditionally, it's the it's that sort of first time we yeah. see him. Big, big, like big impact robe. He's like the Lebowski of uh, Supernatural. Exactly. It's yeah. only Lebowski. Absolutely. 100%. I think that might have been what they were going for. Hilarious. And Mike, what yeah. about you? Final thoughts on this, uh, what literally is one of the more iconic episodes of the uh of the series. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it, it is definitely one of my favorites and it, it always puts a smile on my face when I see it. The process, I think, as I recall, uh, was, was the most pleasurable because, uh, you know, everything came very naturally and, uh, you know, it was uh, it, like, like uh, Rob just said, I felt a little elevated, you know, and that's one of the things about supernaturals. They really know how to like mix the supernatural effect with moral messages, you know, and really raising the stakes on those moral messages, lacing it with some comedy. And then uh, bringing in some very, very talented actors. And this this is one of the episodes of many. But for me, it's a standout where it all kind of came together and stuff. And, you know, yeah. it was it was a pleasure to work with Rob. And, you know, I just, you know, again, uh, look what happened. It's so great that this happened. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Well, Rob, you're great in the episode. Obviously, you, you put your fingerprints on a character that became indelible in the universe of Supernatural and vacillated between comedy and drama for the next 10 years uh, and <laughs> and became a real landmark figure in the show. So well done by you. Thank you. And Mike, dude, that's a tough episode. It could, it would, it was an easy one to let too much slack out of the leash. And you did a great job not doing that and keeping the, the drama front and center while the comedy played out around it. It was, it's a really well done episode from a directorial standpoint. So well done. Thank you sir. very much. Thank you very much. I, I, I us directors get in the same position as Rob was. It's like, okay, I did the episode, but they can ask me back. Now what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they did, so it must have worked. Yay. And they did, so it was a victory. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for being here, buddy. Thank you Th so Mike, much, Mike. Th thank you. We'll have you back for another conversation. Yeah. It's I always fun so. to have you on the show. Thank you very much, fellas. It was, it's a blast, as always. Thanks, thank Mike. You. Great to see you. All right. Good to see you, too. See you, buddy. Hey, this is Jensen. I hope you're enjoying the episode, uh, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages, and I got to take a leak. Thanks for supporting Supernatural, then and now. And now, back to the show. That was um, great. That was great. Dude, great. It was a great conversation. Fun to hear you guys talk to each other about the about the episode. And Mike's yeah. just a delightful guy. Like a he big, positive energy. I would yeah. imagine, I never worked with him as an actor, but he must be fun to work with. Yeah, he is that. And it, honestly, it makes sense that he comes from uh, improv because he does have that energy, you know, the yes and energy where I do remember sort of, you know, crafting little bits like I talked about and, and him being game for that. And yeah, no, he's great and so positive. Really super guy. It fits right in. You yeah. know, it fits right in with the with the the crew of Supernatural. Yeah, man. He really yeah. does. Well uh, done. Well done. Uh, good interviewing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun, it was a fun conversation to be a part of. And uh it's a great episode. So I'm glad we got to dive in and dig deep. Cool. It's time for mythology. 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 Prophecies are messages communicated to a person by a supernatural entity. They are common across cultures and beliefs. They typically... Are you sure it's pronounced entity? I thought it was entity. Oh, man. We're going to have to... Well, cut that out and... What? I thought... Okay, so in your regional pronunciation is some hoity-toity 
must be correct kind of way. All right, fine. Lord Benedict. <laughs> Make fun of the blue collar people. Well, prophecies are messages communicated to a person by a supernatural entity. Malaysia. <laughs> they are common across cultures and beliefs. They typically contain information about future events or divine will. You say divine? It's not divinity? Oh, boy. Here are a few predictions for 2024 from everyone's favorite astrologer, Nostradamus. Oh, I love his, Number one. I love his work. Yeah, he's a great, man. He knew we were going to say that, too. I know. Number one, climate catastrophes. Yes. The dry earth will grow more parched, he goes on to predict, and there will be great floods, and floods that are meh, uh, you know, <laughs> not all great. Wow. Uh, he also predicts a naval confrontation with China. Now, this is, like, for real, like, about 2024? So he sat down he and was like, people, he means two nations going belly button to belly button. I don't think it's about Oh, ships. naval confrontation. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. That is, is often misconstrued. Okay. Prince Harry will replace King Charles III as King of the United Kingdom. Wait, There's how no did he that, know that's obvious. that Prince Harry that's was not, a person? I don't get it. Mean, I guess, I guess Nostradamus is a big fan of the royals. But how did Nostradamus didn't know uh, there was going to be a Prince Harry? How? What is this coming from? Not, not only that, he, he, he knew what was going to happen in season four of The Crown. That's true. Like, he <laughs> yeah. literally is on it. Well, he's a big, big uh, Crown fan. He also predicted, predicted in 2024 a new Pope. A new Pope. Which he thought was going to be a Star Wars movie. Exactly. Episode four, yeah. a new Pope. A new Pope. <laughs> he, he misread his prediction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just following up on his predictions. This is, this is not the papal visit you're looking for. <laughs> uh, talk about the force be with you. He also predicted World War III would happen in 2023. So, Well, suck it, Nostradamus. You missed that one. It's not happening until later this year. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's kind of scary. Those are scary. Oh, that put me in a down mood. I'm scared. Yeah, nothing like Nostradamus. That's why Nostradamus didn't get invited to a lot of mixers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. we'll get we'll get uh, Perseus over, and uh, maybe uh, you know Helios and some of the guys. Sure. Should we get uh, Quintus, uh, his buddy Nostradamus? Yeah, Quintus is kind of an uh, asshole. We don't want him. Yeah, and he breathes Nostradamus. Who always predicts we'll run out of wine. <laughs> you know. Just you know, we got that part, uh, Nostro. And then he throws out all the wine. Know, what? What do you mean? We ran bottom, out. Your bottomless wine flask you seem to, like, bring with you. Uh, all right. Well, that's it from Nostradamus, or as Rich likes to say, Nostradamus. Mmm. Ravi. <laughs> Risqué. <laughs> Just because you're mispronouncing everything. Ladies and gentlemen, well, you know, it's now time for a segment we call Fun Facts. Fun Facts! The title comes from the Sesame Street book, There's a Monster at the End of the Book. In it, Grover is trying to stop the reader from getting to the end of the book because there's a monster. At the end of the book, it is revealed that Grover was the monster all along. Wow, that's philosophically heavy. Which oh, We are all a monster. We are all... Oh, Grover. Yeah. The nitty gritty of it all. And, and uh, it, again, great, great title for this episode because it's a very meta... The book... Is but meta. The episode is very meta, and I think that's where you, a meta Kurt Fuller, and you meta uh, Jared Jensen, Jensen, yeah, and you uh, meta, probably meta Catherine Beckner. I meta, you know what I mean? yeah, I met a lot of those people for the first time. You met uh, all the cast and uh, the crew. That's true. Um, yeah, I, uh, I. That's a. That's a really, really makes you think the whole Grover thing, man. <laughs> because the, the whole time he he thinks he's warning you about something. Uh -huh. But it's really himself. It's himself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Wow, man. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next fun fact. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can. You know, it's interesting that there's a monster named after early president Grover Cleveland. I think that's an interesting little that's, tidbit that yeah. we get discussed in the, right. in the fun facts here. Yeah. You know? Just like I named my son after uh, Calvin Coolidge. I know. Which yeah. is so neat. Yeah. A lot so of cool fans. That. Yeah. A lot of fans of those. Um presidents. The boys use the aliases of Agents DeYoung and Shaw. Dennis DeYoung and Tommy Shaw are members of the rock band Styx. Dennis DeYoung, the actual founding member of the band. Yeah. And I think they eventually kicked Dennis DeYoung out, and now they're touring without him. So there you go. Really? But Tommy Shaw still yeah. tours. 
As far as I know, yeah. I always liked Tommy Shaw. I thought he was really cool looking when I was younger. Oh, man, I liked uh, Sticks in general, like uh, Renegade. Oh, mama, I've been fearful. My life from long arm of the law. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah, and and, and that uh, that song was used uh, in this show. So that's another fun fact within a fun fact. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't take it when I loved it to you, but yeah, you're right. Um, uh, well, right, just because I wanted to stay on course, I feel like we really went off the off course with oh, Monster. God, you and the course bit, you and Grover. Speaking of courses, the diner in which Dean and Sam eat and discuss in the middle of the episode is called Kripke's Hollow Diner. Where'd they come up with hollow? Like, is that the fun fact? Like Kripke's Hollow? Oh, Kripke's. Uh, I get it. Yeah, I, I didn't miss the Kripke reference. Like Kripke's Hollow, uh, right? I don't think Kripke's hollow. I think he's a, you know, full of ideas and a wonderful man. But mm. I guess yes. somebody didn't think so. I guess Jerry Wanick wanted to take a dig. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though the character's name isn't mentioned in the episode, the publisher that Sam and Dean questioned is named Sarah Sage, a combo of Sarah Gamble and Julie Sage's names. Yeah. Is that I, I don't, I don't know if we're saying that right, yeah. but yeah. Sage, Siege. Siege, Sage. Yeah, and it should be mentioned because it's not here that uh, Chuck Chuck's uh, pen name uh, Carver Edland is a combination of uh, Jeremy Carver and Ben Edland, the writers from the show. They just genius uh, put that together. Yeah, and uh, little fun fact: a lot of people don't know this. Uh, the ripped torsos on the cover of the books were modeled after my torso. Uh, yeah, they did uh, a little couple of had me send a few pics of my ripped torso so they could model the ripped torsos after my ripped torso and here's here's a fun fact. that was nice so much uh, it's, it's great and you look you look awesome you really look thank great. you buddy I uh, fun fact I tried to I asked uh if I could have one of those posters and take it home with me because it was still uh right. they were up in season 15 in uh Chuck's superfans house. Becky's house and uh and the answer came back no no you cannot so that was Exciting. Here's a fun fact. I actually have one of those posters. Uh, they were gracious <laughs> enough to that's funny to gift me one at the end of the series. <laughs> one of the posters at Chuck's house is from the cover of the third issue of the Supernatural Origins comic books, which chronicled the story of John Winchester's early days on the road with Sam and Dean. They were really great. All, all those posters. Yeah, they were amazing. There, there, there was one that was that was um, the Benders had one, and Scarecrow had one. You know, a lot of them were the episodes we've already seen from like season one. Yeah, there was a there was one of those, and I don't remember which one, but it had a kind of a sketch of. Remember, I remember it had a sketch of Bobby Singer on it that hung in the conference room of the Supernatural production office. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah, and I don't remember which one it was, but they had taken one of those. The art in that office was, you know, episode art that they sort of just gleaned over the years, and huh. it was one of those, uh, one of those. Huh. Well, yeah. and thank, thankfully for me, this is one of the uh, only of a few episodes where nobody dies. That is an upbeat end to an intense episode, and yeah, a good, nice piece of trivia. Great episode, f super fun, fun to uh, classic episode, to classic episode. Robbie, you crushed it. You did a great job, and Thank obviously, you. it led to decades of. I mean, we're still talking about the show with you on yeah. it, so yeah, it led to decades of work. Yeah, uh, as that character. So good job, kudos. Yeah, yeah. It, little did I know that this would uh, kind of change my uh, trajectory a bit. Dancing girl in Hoboken when the phone rang, and now here you are. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. I had a. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. Just a dancing girl in Hoboken, uh, working for pennies for dollars from all the gentlemen callers. Um, well, uh, thank you for indulging me for this episode. I feel like it was my birthday a little bit. In a way um, it was, only yeah. with no party thrown by you for us, because shouldn't you be throwing us a party? Really? Well, yeah, I usually throw myself a party when I need to be celebrated. Exactly. All right, well done. And until the well next time. Well done you, time, Rob. Well done you. Thank you. Uh, until we meet again, this episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester, and Misha Collins as Castiel. Guest stars included Rob Benedict, Kurt Fuller, Catherine Beckner, and Keegan Connor Tracy. Monster at the End of This Book was written by Julie Siege and Nancy Weiner. Directed by Mike Roll. Editing by Nicole Baer. Music by Christopher Leonards. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. This episode originally aired on April 2nd, 2009. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holscher. 
and edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What is up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And become a member of the podcast at worldwideweb.patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. That's World Wide Web. Go ahead. Or www for short dot patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Here are a few predictions for 2024 from everyone's favorite astrologer, Nostradamus. I thought they said anus. <laughs> nice try, Steve. Steve just uh, texted us <laughs> dick pics, which... Yeah, I know, and I, I said no thanks. Um, yeah, I'm not I, sure. uh, I thought that was an odd time to ask for them, but um, I, I can only assume he's referring to when you're talking about uh, you being the model for the cover of the Supernatural books. Ah, I see. Right, right. Did you figure that out after you obliged uh, with that uh, black <laughs> yeah, and white shot well, of your Johnson? Unfortunately, I've already sent him uh, <laughs> a separate chat. I sent him my, my because uh, I've got that right here on my hard drive ready to go. Story Bell Media. 